Hey, it's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff Podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now, back to the show. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Here's the A-Dog. There he is. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. And we've got Laddie. Good morning, Laddie. Greg Ballack on the Wheels of Steel this morning. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I should also mention it is Monday. Mike Tannier, one of our guests today, is our Monday morning quarterback. Uh, our Monday morning quarterback is brought to you by the Clayton Public House Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. That's how many screens, Jason? Um, 15? Mm, so close. So you can visit them online at theclaytonpublic.com. How, how many is it? 17. 17. I was oh, told okay. there would be no math in this job, but You're I making like them do math at 6 in the morning? Yeah. 602. Seems cruel. And You're making me listen? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Coming okay. to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm going to put you on the um, hot seat yeah. right away. Okay. Best sports of the weekend, best game of the weekend that you watched? What was the most you enjoyed yourself? Because I feel like this is actually a challenging question. It is. There was a lot that was going on. I'm going to go and defer to the NFL because that was actually the time that I was able to sit and digest. I think I got the wrong answer. You're giving me the, you're giving me the wrong answer eyes. No, no, no. You're not on my wavelength. I think that's the problem. Like, what went right over the weekend. The well, B, the, 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 I know just, what went right. The BC Lions were terrible. Yep. The Canucks had two split squad games. Uh, thank God we didn't have to see the one in Calgary because mm-hmm. they didn't even score a goal in that. They lose that one. Last night, you know, great that they came back, but split squad games, I just – you watch them for 10 minutes and you're like, I'm not into this. Yeah, I don't care for right? this. Right? This is just – I don't know half the guys. I don't know any of the guys on Calgary. <laughs> uh, the power play is over 10 or whatever it is. Like, nobody seems to be on the same page. Uh, I'm so, now on the same brainwave okay, as you, by the way. Okay, the Seahawks lost to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't stop the run. That is just an ongoing frustration. It is so – frustrating to watch a team that can't stop the run mm-hmm. and once again it was an issue uh the canadians at the the president's cup uh cory connor's 0 for 4 taylor pendrith 0 for 4 that's they're bad they're the only players on the international team that couldn't secure elite like not even half a point mm-hmm. for their team uh so that wasn't great uh i have to say that for me it was probably watching russell wilson struggle again yep like and, that, that and... was the most that was the most fun i had Watching two teams play bad football. I got to watch Russell Wilson struggle and the San Francisco 49ers lose. What a tremendous Sunday night football game, despite the fact it might have been the worst football game ever played on television. But I, yeah, that's that was the one that when I went to NFL, that was the one I was most engaged with. And it had like the game was so disgusting. The, the reactions on social media in, in real time were fantastic. Mm-hmm. The memes, the let Russ cook. But isn't that it. sad? Like, uh, th- th- doesn't that say that the sports week- weekend kind of sucked? From a results-based standpoint, yes. Not a lot of things went right. I'm not going to lie. But from a schadenfreude and taking pleasure in other people's misery, as we so often do on the Halford and Breff show, that Sunday did, nighter did have something to it. Did you get to watch the Lions game? 
Yeah, I, I saw. Well, you know what? I saw the. I turned it on just as oh everyone my was leaving. God, uh, it was so fifty-seven minutes of football. There was one <sighs> touchdown. It was. It was gross. Dude, that it was, was so as bad, gross man. as the Sunday nighter. It it was it was worse because you know watching the Lions on offense was just was just awful, and we yeah. kind of talked ourselves into Vernon Adams last week because he went into Calgary and he was fine in a win. Like he mm-hmm. he wasn't spectacular, but he was solid. He was he was efficient, and, and the Lions found a way to win. He will. I'm watching him play, and I'm thinking. Um, his receivers must be like, this isn't great. He he, he missed so many throws, man. He, and you, just, you realize I'm watching and I'm like, this is this is one of the worst offensive performances I've seen from a Lions team in a long time. You know the one thing that happened between Vernon Adams' first start in Calgary, which was a win, and Saturday's game, which was a loss, right? He appeared on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Ah, uh, yeah. We, is that is that a thing? Is do we have to shoulder some of the responsibility here? Yeah, you have to shoulder all of it. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I wasn't the one missing throws. <laughs> okay, so as you can see, there's a lot to talk about today. We're already six minutes in. Haven't even got to the guest rundown yet. I mentioned Mike Tannier earlier. He's our NFL insider from Football Outsiders here on the Halford and Bruff show. He's going to join us at seven o'clock. So we'll talk about that Sunday nighter. The classic 11-10 final. You love to see a score like that. Not a scoregami, though. There was one other 11-10 game in NFL history. Yeah, I, I noticed they say they don't. I bet they wanted to say on the broadcast last night, it was also awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what those two games had in common? Anyway, uh, so 7 o'clock, Tannier is going to join us. Uh, the, the Dolphins moved to, by the way, that was your pick, right? Remember the guy that texted <laughs> in when I said, that I was going to take Dolphins plus five and a half. Great pick. Uh, and he was like, they pay you to watch sports? I'm like, yeah, man. I am now one and two in locks of the weeks. One and two take that. in locks of the week. And I'm at, I'm basically three and oh, because when you think about it, mm-hmm. my first two were jinxes of the Denver Broncos. It's true. You were, th- you were throwing away the traditional pick for a bigger purpose. I was uh, I was actually in Miami for the game, and I went in at halftime, and I told the Dolphins head coach, "You play two up." Yeah, that's right. All this investigation that the NFL is doing, it's all going to come back to this studio. They're like, "There's a guy named Jason." Who <laughs> you got to play Tua. I don't in. care if he's hurt. Yeah. We're going old here? school here. Concussion? Never heard of it. It was his back. You wrote the. Did you see? I, we we'll play the audio later. So Tua gets hurt in this very, very bizarre win over the Bills and is wobbling on the field with what looks like a concussion and maybe some neurological issues. He goes out of the game, comes back, and leads the Dolphins to this improbable win. In the post-game presser, Mike McDaniel, who's usually pretty – he's clever and he's quick-witted and everything. You could tell he was kind of glancing down at something when he was asked about Tua. Yeah. And it was very clearly like, hey, Mike, here are some talking points. Please don't go off the cuff. Because the NF- there's going to be an investigation now into why he was able to leave the game and come back. Mm-hmm. The NFLPA was like, yeah, that doesn't seem good. Yeah. So that's one of the things we can talk to Tanier about. There are a bunch of big games yesterday. We'll get into all that at 7 o'clock. Okay, then we're going to do Canucks Heavy from 7.30 onward. Uh, Chris Faber from Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation, is going to join us at 7.30. So, I mean, there were two Canucks games yesterday. Theoretically, it makes sense to have two guests on. Uh, we can talk about. Hey, look, I'm hey, trying. Mac, you, you're responsible for the four nothing loss in Calgary. Yeah, you can watch that digitized feed that's now on loop. Um, you, we'll talk to favorite seven thirty. I'm at eight. 
There are a few things to get into. Remnants from training camp as well, because remember, they were up in Whistler up until Saturday. So uh, Niels Hoaglander seems like he's received whatever challenge, either directly or indirectly, the club has put in front of him. Uh, Ilya Mikhaev was hurt yesterday in the exhibition game in Vancouver. Uh, he left early. We don't know if it was precautionary or otherwise, because Bruce Boudreaux had no update after the game. So there are some things to parse through with those two games. We'll talk to Faber and IMAC about all that. So the Canucks already have, what, what are we up to, two injuries now? McKeev and, and Besser's yeah. day-to-day? Yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> Um, that's but, but Luis got the two points. No, 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 no wins. No one. Wins. Just we, we got the we got that that valuable. Oh, we got the we got the exhibition loser point. That, the, so valuable <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Uh, on television tonight, Monday Night Football, Cowboys Giants. Cowboys are my lock of the week. There. Uh, hopefully, they'll put together a better primetime game than the one we saw last night. Although it did have a good finish, I'll give it that. Uh, Jays open a huge series. You must be like over the moon, laddie. This is Jays Yankees. Near the end of the regular season, playoffs looming for both, and with the cherry on top, the Aaron Judge home run chase as well. Could happen in Toronto. Yeah, that'd be amazing. It didn't happen on tickets. Apple TV, which everyone was really happy no. about. No, yeah. there was a lot of uh, uproar about that. Michael Kay almost called the game for Apple mm-hmm. TV. Did you watch Pujols? Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I watched the clip. I, was, I didn't expect him to hit two in the in the one game. That was that was yeah. awesome to see. You were like, come on, man. Like, two? I know. Spread them At out. that age? Come on. <laughs> uh, NHL preseason action tonight. Yes, we can start doing this in what happened. New Jersey, Montreal, the Islanders, and the Rangers. Edmonton and Seattle, and the Los Angeles Kings and Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, I, we're not doing this. You're, you're not saying you're not wasting any time looking at the out-of-town scoreboard in exhibition games. I'm not. I'm looking forward to the out-of-town scoreboard in okay, exhibition no games. No more of this. Also, uh, no. our, our, I've, now that Canada is in the World Cup, we don't have to follow England anymore, which is good. Uh, England plays Germany. Otherwise, I would have been excited about this game, but given what England has done internationally over the last 495 minutes of open play, I am not. They have not scored a goal in 495 minutes. 495 open play. minutes. So that means they've scored maybe once in a while on like a PK. Just 495 minutes of utter nothingness. It's it's embarrassing. They got relegated from Nations League Group A to B. Does They're, open play mean though? Like oh, it, they don't have a goal. Period. I'm just saying. Like they don't. They don't have anything. They, not even like a. Not even <laughs> they like got, they're nothing. They got nothing. They, they, the the last few games under Southgate have been so bereft of even scoring chances. That it's been, I mean, they could not be going into the World Cup in worse form, to be honest. They lost to Hungary. They lost to Italy C team, basically. I imagine that they're not going to perform very well against Germany today based on recent form. And they finished dead last in their group. So they're now relegated to Nations League B. They're in a B group now moving forward. That's anyway, they played uh, Germany today. Italy, Hungary is the other one. So that's what's happening. We've told you everything. Got the guest list as well. Uh, Let's not waste any more time. Excuse me. We'll start with the Canucks. And we'll tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? We'll begin chronologically with the game in Vancouver. Uh, ben Jones. Don't forget the name. Ben Jones for the Calgary Flames. Uh, scores in overtime after Fast Sidley Pod Colson took a penalty in Overtime, considered something of a ghost call by a lot of those in attendance. Calgary wins the first one, 3-2 in overtime. Calgary then goes on to win the second game of the split squad for nothing in regulation, of course. Um, takeaways from these, we didn't get a lot out of Calgary, obviously, Jason, because um, the game was not televised. There wasn't a huge throng of media from a Vancouver side going there. 
And it was very clear from the onset that the Canucks had put forth <clears throat> their secondary lineup going into Calgary. More of the NHLers were in Vancouver for the 3-2 overtime loss. Again, you kind of set it off the top. I'm not really sure who gets what out of a split squad game because there are so many players that you don't know and you're probably never going to see again. I would actually wonder how many of these guys Bruce Boudreaux know, to be perfectly honest, prior to going into this game because you've got about two lines of NHL players and then two lines of guys that are maybe going to be in your organization. Yeah, if this was game one of the regular season and the power play went 0 for 7. That was a thing. Uh, I would be concerned, and I would call a summit. I'd be like, "This can't happen anymore." Um, but what, you know, Jack Rathbone is the power play quarterback. Mm-hmm. JT Miller wasn't there, so you sit there and you watch the first game of the preseason, and you're trying to take anything away from it. And I, and I feel like, in some ways, I'm like ducking my job here, which is to analyze the games that you're given. But I, I don't want to waste time doing it. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's. First of all, there's a rust factor, right? It's a first game. You got a lot of guys out there that are not going to make the NHL, not going to be in the NHL this season. Um, and I, I'm just not going to get upset when I see a power play that doesn't produce, but it doesn't have arguably its two most important players. Like JT Miller's right. the quarterback of it. Uh, Quinn Hughes is, you know, the – I mean, JT Miller quarterbacks it from from the sidewall, but Quinn Hughes obviously the the lone defenseman on a PP one. Um, Bruce Boudreaux actually had some good things to say about Jack Rathbone and the uh, power play. He played, yeah, somehow <laughs> he played twenty five minutes, uh, which is good that he logged those minutes because you know you want to give these young players an opportunity in these games when you've got a split squad and um, you got, you know, who else was going to play 25 minutes? Danny DeKaiser? You know, it's just, uh, I I don't want to sit here and say like, it's not important at all because I think um, you do want to have some good form in the preseason, especially for, for the Canucks this year where everyone's focused on their start. Mm -hmm. You do not want to go in, um, to the regular season after just a poor preseason. Absolutely. But there's still time in the preseason to figure it out. Early now, days of the preseason right now. That's did, the thing. So the one thing I was curious about heading into this game, oh, there's a few, but one main thing. How did how how will Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Ilya Mikheyev look together? Right. And I think the answer was inconclusive because Mikheyev got hurt fairly early. He had to leave the game. Uh, Petey, I guess, at times looked fine, but he wasn't terrific. Got an assist on the game tying goal. To yeah, Ireland late I mean, with the goalie pulled. But I think that's important that he did make an important play out there. Um, but the thing with Pedersen and what we need to see this season is consistency on a big picture basis. In that he doesn't take half a season to get going. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Pretty key. But also that when he's out there, there's a consistent level of play. I don't know if we saw that last night, but again, it's the preseason. He's getting used to new, two new line mates. Uh, again, he's got the two newest Canucks and the two most talked about Canucks. It might take them a while to find some chemistry. And also, hey, it might not work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard all these people talking about Bruce Boudreaux. He's like, no, he's setting the lines in game one, and that's the way it'll be in game 82 or whatever. Right, <laughs> you know, right, like right, that, right. you know, and it's. And I think we've almost gone too far 
in our analysis, like Bruce Boudreaux can still change these lines up in the preseason. Well, like a chance might, he's going to have. Well, he's going to have to right yeah. now, right? You know. Um, so uh, again, I, I'm not shirking my responsibility. I did watch the game, but it's just one of these things where you're like, yeah, it was just like a hodgepodge of. Split squattiness. Just a bunch of dudes out there. You've never heard of Mitch McLean, you're telling me? Dudes being dudes. I didn't I didn't know any of the guys to be honest. Who the guy that hit um the guy that hit Mikheyev is named Nick DeSimone. I did not know him. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right in the aftermath. But Phil, Phil DiGiuseppe was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Nick DeSimone. He's my cousin. <laughs> uh, I know I know him well. Yeah. We go way back. Yeah, so uh, our job, though, you bring up a good point because our job probably in terms of entertainment isn't to thoroughly break down a split squad game. It's to take the pressing questions, the burning questions, and the key points and run with those. I had two from yesterday, two games. Two big takeaways. One is the Mikhaev injury thing. Now, all you can say is the facts that are presented in front of you. It was a heavy hit early first half of the game. So he got it, as you said, is sort of like inconclusive, incomplete on the old report card. Uh, exited. Could have totally been precautionary. We don't know. Bruce Boudreaux had no update on Mikhaev moving forward. The only thing you can say is that he is a guy that had a history of injuries in his time in Toronto, he had a severe wrist laceration very early on in his career, which cost him a ton of time. He had a broken thumb last season, which cost him eight weeks. None of this is related to the other. The thumb bone is not connected to the brain bone or whatever else, but it's just worth monitoring and worth mentioning. I don't think we need any more deeper analysis than that. The one conversation we can have – sorry, did you have something there? Well, I was just going to say I, I think you know what, what you want to have for Mikheyev too is not to be hurt for the preseason. Well, it's, it's what you were talking about, the clean preseason, right? You don't want any injuries. Yeah. You don't want any, any distractions. You don't want any contract holdouts. You never the want Canucks, any of this stuff. The Canucks got to find the right fit for this guy. And there's no, there's no guarantee that it's going to be on a line with, with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Um, Okay, I'm going to say something and people aren't going to be happy about it. But, Sweet. Um, just just the comparison, okay? Um, when Louis Erickson was signed by the Canucks, um, there was an admission from the Canucks. I remember talking to Trevor Lenuno about this a few years after Louis Erickson was signed. And he said, we never found a fit for Louis. Hmm. And it, and it was just, and I, again, I'm not saying this is this is this is going to happen, but so so just but just bear with me. The Canucks have to find the right fit for him, and in my opinion, there isn't an obvious one because, uh, and I'm not saying there isn't one. There just isn't an obvious one. Um, when I heard that uh, Mikheyev was going to play with Pedersen, I was a little like, hmm, I wonder what Boudreaux is thinking here. Why is he doing this? Because for me. One of the real strong skills of Mikheyev and something that he's going to bring to the Canucks that they don't have enough of is a two-way ability, right? It's not offense. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to score a lot of goals. Well, he's I, he might not because he doesn't actually have great finish. That was one of the knocks of him in Toronto. He'd get a lot of chances, and he wouldn't finish them. Now, some people wondered if that was because of the injuries that he had that affected his shot. Who knows? But when I heard that he was playing with Pedersen, but then I also heard that Boudreaux might use the Pedersen line in so-called soft matchups. Like, he'll throw the Horvat line and the Miller line, and they'll get the, the quote-unquote tough minutes, the toughs, as yeah. Drance likes to call them, and then freeing up Pedersen uh, for some better matchups. Then I thought, hmm, 
that's an interesting way to use one of your best two-way forwards, right? So the whole idea, so I originally thought, well, maybe he'll be on a line with, I don't know, Horvat and Pearson, and they'll get the tough matchups. And I suppose that could still happen, but I think what Bruce Boudreaux wanted to do was give Pedersen the two, 90, two shiny new, new toys, basically. I think there's something know? to that, for sure. And like you said, it could be a real quick experiment where he says, I think this is going to work, and then he pulls the shoot on it and it doesn't. Um, the funny thing about Mikhaev is that last year, he actually kind of flipped the script on what his first two years provided as a template. Like, he actually had a gaudy shooting percentage last year. He scored 21 goals in 53 games. And I think a lot of people were trying to figure out what exactly is this guy? Because his first two years in Toronto were largely the, he's got a great motor, he gets lots of chances, but he doesn't have the finish. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of putting pucks in at a more regular rate, far more than the first half of his career. I don't know what he's going to be on this team. Stylistically, they must have seen something that they thought would fit. And maybe it's his versatility. Maybe it's the fact that if you put him in a bunch of different situations, which he did do in Toronto, right? Like he was a guy, he could play with Matthews and another guy on the top line and not look out of place, but he could drop into the bottom six and be a good checker. Maybe that's what he'll be. But on a good team, he's probably a third liner, right? I think that's where eventually he falls in. Yeah. And in a pinch, he's a guy that if you move up, he's not going to kill you, mm-hmm. but you don't want him there full time. He's like, if he's the guy like, that Like, are gets- the Yannick Hansen comparisons fair? I'm going to need to see more of them. Yeah. Hansen had a pretty unique game and the way that he developed mm-hmm. too, right? I mean, he kind of willed himself into being a 20 goal scorer, but remember. But spe- speed and two-way ability and a willingness to check and intelligence, like he was a smart player. Right. And and the Sedins kind of took him in and they put him under his wing and they're like, you will be our brother now. Well, yeah, and eventually. kind of like us, right? Eventually. Then, that took a long time for him to play with the Sedins. And I think he probably reached heights that a lot of people didn't figure that he could get to offensively, right? Anyway, I want to get to one other. Uh, we're right up against it for time. Um, we are? Yeah, we're really yeah. We went along. We went long on that that analysis of the split squad game that we kind of poo pooed at the beginning of the. Yeah, segment. that Russ said we're not going to do. Well, and you here know, we are. Then we, well, we didn't talk Mikhaev. about the split squad game. <laughs> like, yeah, they did great to fight back. I know. I know. Mike had some Bruce Boudreaux quotes that he wanted. To I had play, one, and it, and it was like, "We're never going to quit." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> good." I was going to play the clip, and then when it was done, playing, good to was, hear. Check that off yeah. the off the list. When the clip was done playing, I was going to be like, "Look, I'm trying my best." Okay, like I'm trying to find something. <laughs> that does, Bruce does said Zetsov looked pretty good. Did he? Well, I mean, he didn't score anything. But no, he, the guy who looked good was Paul Colson. <laughs> oh uh, well, yeah, that I, goal I mean, was great. I, I'm I, I'm excited about. Can't Paul take Colson. that penalty in overtime, Pods. That was soft though. That was a weak call. They had there was 15 power plays last night. I know they were calling was. everything. No, Pod Colson did look really good. Yeah, no, he was good. And I, I only saw bits and pieces of the game in Calgary, but uh, the standout there was apparently in Nils Hoaglander, as you would expect. That was the other conversation I kind of wanted to have. And we can do it on the other side. It's fine. We've got tons of time. Um, I think what Hoaglander's done over the course of a very short training camp, obviously, and now in his first game, is a good sign, right? All the, all the reviews yeah. and everything from the coaching staff, especially Bruce Boudreaux, has been, hey, I want to talk about Hoaglander. He showed up in great shape. He's pushing hard. He looks like one of our best players. I, I love that he showed up in great shape. Apparently knocked it out of the park from his fitness tests. Showed up ready to take on the challenge. There have been a few young players in recent history in Vancouver that you sit there and go, this is a big season for him. He uh-huh. better figure it out. And then, like, the opposite happens. Right. They it's crumble like, under the pressure. No, no, no. Like, they, 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 they would show up while well, he, <clears throat> Jake, would show up to camp, like, out of shape. And you're like, what are you thinking, man? 
your career is on the line here, mm-hmm. and you're not going to even like this. You know, you talk about this so cliche, but it's totally true. The things you can control. Well, here's one thing you can control: show up in shape. Yep. No, so it's, like like it's, that's checked yeah. off the list. Like, and I and I love seeing that from all. I even if you want to take a step back, and I love. He's like he's not like. Oh, I want to trade out of Vancouver. Or yeah, like, like if, if, like, if you take you know. a, if you take a step back in the progression here about showing up, you even have to acknowledge and realize that you're being issued a challenge because sometimes it's not direct, right? Like I don't know if they tipped Hoaglander off at any point in the summer or prior to the season. Like, hey Nils, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we brought in three forwards in the off season. Yeah, and I don't know if you've been able to count from one to twelve, <laughs> but you might not be in that twelve. And then when he shows up the first day of camp. Hey, you know, we've got these NHL looking lines here and you're on the outside looking in, but I don't know how, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> he direct. Re- he, he replied, I thought they were going to trade Miller. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I, are, are they done yet? Is Horvat sticking around? But those are, I mean, so to, to acknowledge that there's a, a challenge being put in front of you and then to take it the right way, you got to take this the right way, son. Like that's, that's an important thing because it can go a multitude of ways. And you even brought up when I even think of young guys that are upset with their current condition in life, trade me, right? Well, Jonathan Dolan, right? Did, didn't did, we just saw Nils Lundqvist get traded out of New York because he's like, I'm not going to get in on the right side yeah. here. There's too many guys in front of me. Trade me. Mm-hmm. Give me an opportunity somewhere else, right? So all these things are worth discussing. We can have the discussion on the other side. We also got to get into all the NFL stuff from yesterday as well. We've got an entirely open segment coming up on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, if you want to weigh in with your thoughts from the weekend, you can do it now. What we learn, they're going to be at 8 o'clock, sorry, 8.30. Uh, hashtag WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Dunbar Lumber text line is 6.50. 6.50, it is the small alternative. We are here till 9 o'clock. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6.50. Matthew Phillips, right circle to the back door. Michael Stone scores. And that'll do it. A nice one-timer from the left circle by Michael Stone. Beats Archer Seelovs on the stick side. It was playing live on the Jumbotron, the, the overtime goal. Did you get to watch it live? So I watched the first period, and that, that was it. So the first period's not overtime. 6.33 on a Monday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Daryl Sutter's level of enthusiasm for split squad games came shining through in that clip. I love that man so much. Sutter? He's, just, he's just hilarious. He, I mean, it's probably it my fun. favorite coach. He, probably your favorite. He coach. might be just from a soundbite perspective. Him and Torts up there. He was, so we were at the 2014 Stanley Cup Final when the Kings won, when they beat the Rangers, and the daily media exercise for coaches it can get a bit monotonous because they're not going to give you anything good anyway. So people are trying to ask all these off-the-wall questions or maybe things that go far afield to try and get a quote. And he would, on the days that he would play along, it would be really funny because he would just start telling stories about, like, drinking a bucket of coffee. Literally. It's not he's been like, a good day. I lost my glasses early this morning. Yeah, like stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be him. They it was just Daryl Sutter talking about oh. what he does. It was like a Randy, it was like Randy Newman's songs. It was like, there's Daryl Sutter talking about what he did. So he would drink a pail of coffee. Everywhere. That's how he described it because he drank so much coffee in the morning. He'd get up and do some ranching. Back in my day, quarters yeah. had a picture of a bee on them. Yeah, exactly. What, 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 bitch, right? Nobody's going to listen to you. Does, does Daryl Sutter, before drinking a pail of coffee, 
basically sound the same as Daryl Sutter after yeah. he's, he's finished that coffee? Yeah, I think he went on to explain it was solely for uh, early morning wake-up purposes, like to get going so he could do stuff at the I can range. imagine he's like, I am jumping out of my skin right now. I have had six Red Bulls. <laughs> uh, you are... I'm seeing through time. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a little excited right now. <laughs> you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Uh, spent a lot of time in the first half hour of the show talking hockey. This is your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. We are going to turn our attentions to the pigskin now, but let's start, albeit briefly, with the Canadian Football League and the weekend. BC Lions, just an egg of a game, a dud of a game. Although they clinched a playoff spot with the loss, ugly, ugly, ugly to the Calgary Stampeders on the weekend at BC Place. Yeah, just uh, just really uh, a terrible performance from the offense, the, the defense held them in, it gave them, I, I, I guess, kind of a chance. But the way the offense was playing was just, you know, I don't want to pile on Vernon Adams here uh, because he did play well the previous week in Calgary, uh, but he was so off. Uh-huh. You know, his his pocket awareness, his accuracy on some throws. Uh, it sounds like Brian Burnham might be hurt now, which isn't isn't great either. Right. Um, it was it was really it was. You remember last week where they they go into Calgary and I'm like, oh, I've got new life with the Lions. Like I feel like they okay they they might actually host that playoff game. You watch that game and you're like, even if this team does host a playoff game, what is their ceiling? Because I think the most we can hope for right now, having watched Vernon Adams Jr., unless there is a remarkable turnaround, is that he just kind of manages a game okay. Yeah, like you he, know what the, the you know ceiling what he is? is? He's Geno Smith. Do you know what the ceiling is? Last week in Calgary. Yeah, is that the ceiling? Yeah. And is that the ceiling? So what you do is you try and win. How many games do they have left? Four? Five. So you try and win. Two of them against the Bombers. You try and get a home field game in the playoffs. I think you could do it with 10 wins, but you got Calgary right there as well. And I think they're going to have to win three of their last five. So whatever the whatever the math is to try and get a home game, you try and do that. You try and host a home game. You try and manage a game and get your defense and maybe some special teams. Speaking of special teams, uh, the punter. Flint Toft. Anyway, uh, 417 yards punting in one game. That kind of gives you an idea of what the Lions were doing on Saturday night. 417 yards of net punting. It That's how many times like, he was back there. So you watched, obviously, the Broncos 49ers game yesterday sure from Denver. Did. Sure did. Watching the Broncos offense uh, was like the Lions game. Yep. It, it was like, it was hopeless. Mm-hmm. But the Lions didn't have like a magical last drive to to win it. That right. that was that was the difference. And I'm reaching on that magical phrase, by the way. Uh, he made let, plays. Russ let, made yeah, plays. Let's get into the NFL okay. story right now, uh, and we might as well start with that game. I really enjoyed watching it because I don't care for Russell Wilson and I don't care for the 49ers, and they both played badly. Like I know the Broncos got the win, and somehow they're tied for first place in that division. Because the Chiefs are upset by the Colts. The Raiders look awful. Yeah. And frankly, the Chargers don't look great either. Justin so, Herbert's in a little bit of pain right now. Yeah. Um, and the the game between the Broncos and the 49ers, there was something like Russell Wilson set. He's never had that many three and outs in his career. It was laughable at times. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, it got to the point, too, where even if Russell Wilson would make a good throw, it would just go right through the receiver's hands. Yep. And But here's the thing. Jimmy G is the quarterback for the 49ers, and even though right now he might be a little bit better than Trey Lance, he's still not the guy. You're seeing at times why they went out and got Trey Lance. Really, when you watch Garoppolo play. The safety running out of the end zone. The the very uh, very noticeable lack of mobility. The amount of times that he got dropped trying to flush out of the pocket, especially late in that game when he took the sack near the goal line. They are a limited team with Garoppolo, and everyone knew that. Mm-hmm. The consistency is better, and you might hit your ceiling more often with Garoppolo, but the reality is, is that Lance has a higher ceiling. But you're going to see it week-to-week with him on this game. So an 11-10 victory for the Broncos. The Broncos look like a team where nobody played together in the preseason because they didn't play together in the preseason. And I really wonder if, they have, if they've escaped a disaster start because they've been able to grind out two really ugly victories. They could easily be 0-3. Easily be 0-3. And well, that the funny game, thing is they could easily be 3-0 well, as that's, well. That's kind of the crazy part of it all. Their defense <laughs> they is should good. have beaten the Seahawks. The defense is good, but they make so many mistakes. And to be honest, I know that the clock management and bizarre decision-making from Hackett was less noticeable yesterday, but they still cough up the football all the time. Melvin Gordon fumbled another two times yesterday, although he made up for it with the the late touchdown, which ended up being the go-ahead score. But they make all kinds of mistakes on offense. They have no rhythm. They drop passes. They fumble the football. They have bad clock management. All of it looks like a team that doesn't have any familiarity with one another. I think the rhythm thing, you just you just nailed it there. That is a team that has no rhythm on offense, mostly because they're going three and out all the time. It's like, we can't establish this rhythm, but they just look like they... They don't have any – what are they? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do they, they have, do they well? They have no identity on offense other than we score about 16 points a game. And I was kind of laughing at the, uh, the the Sunday night football crew who was talking about, like, you know, Russell Wilson's mobility. And we, we haven't seen him run much. I'm like, have you not watched the Seahawks games in the last few years? Like, he's still kind of mobile, but that's not his calling card anymore. I mean, he made a point of saying in the post-game press where he's like, I had to go out and make some plays with my legs on that final drive. Yeah. Like, he was Guys were dropping balls. I just yeah. might as well just, like, run. He was throwing it up to himself. He's like, fine, Russell, do it. But he, he's not the same quarterback that I think a lot of people remember. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are thinking, like, 2012 when he broke in kind of Russ, and it's not that anymore. It's now a guy that Honestly, they are looking to, at this stage of the game, because the offense looks so inept, is to keep things close and then hope he can make some plays at the end on one drive. Yeah. Not consistently, but one drive. Now, uh, you, we'll jump ahead here. You mentioned the Seahawks game. We have to do this almost by due diligence. Although, I'm starting to get signs where the Seahawks go from being like the second game we talk about to the third game we talk about. And then in the bottom of my notes, I have other for NFL, like miscellaneous news and notes. Who is the Falcons running back that... Uh, Cordero Patterson. He What a remarkable career. He made it look so easy at times. And I don't know if it is uh, they're just... The Seahawks are easily getting blocked out of the way. Like, there, there were some times where I was like, that's a big hole. And there are also times when I'm like, hey, make a tackle. Just one tackle. So we brought it up last week when they got gouged on the ground by the 49ers that they set some sort of record ever since ESPN started tracking yards after contact on the ground game. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, last week it was essentially they got there, but they couldn't make the tackles. Yesterday, 
the gaps that Patterson was able to run through, <laughs> like you probably could have got at least eight or ten yards on some yeah, of those. For sure. Yeah, you guys are almost the same height too. Patterson, it looks weird. Because he wears number 84, yeah. which is a receiver's number. Because mm-hmm. he broke in as a receiver. Right. And he's, like, tall. And then he's running out of the backfield. And he just was chewing up the Seahawks. So a career high with him on the ground, 141 yards. 102 come of those in the second half. So it was Mariota did the business in the first half. Got a bunch of passing yards. They got their points. And then the second half, they just ground the Seahawks down. Yeah, and, and you you were talking about how... Last week, they were talking about all the yards after contact. The Seahawks this week decided, okay, well, we're just not going to make contact. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know how we'll solve this problem. We won't <laughs> even get there in the first place. That's an easy fix. So a 27-23 loss, uh, a Seahawks game now would not be without a little bit of controversy regarding decisions made by the coaching staff. This time, uh, it was Pete Carroll late. Old cons- conservative Pete came out in a very bad way. He decided to kick a field goal, tied at 20-20 late in the third quarter. They were fourth and two inside the Atlanta 10-yard line. And you know the current trend of thought in the NFL is if you're that close to the end zone and you've got an offense that doesn't produce that many drives that get you that deep into the red zone, you got to go for seven rather than settle for three. But this team is built to be conservative and to just hang around. And Pete made that decision. And that was almost more disappointing than anything else. Because last week, if you'll remember, this team took one of the biggest chances I've seen them take in a long time in the red zone, which was that bizarre four running back set where (laughs) DJ Dallas was going to try and throw a touchdown pass. So you go from that extreme where we're like, we're going to take a gigantic gamble in the red zone to this, where you decide to kick a field goal Honestly, I don't. I think at times I don't think they know what this team is. I don't think the guys on the team know exactly what they are. Yeah. I think they're kind of looking in the mirror and saying we might not be very good all year, and that could be the Seahawks season right so, there. So it's funny. Um, you know how I joked at the beginning of the season that I, I want the Seahawks to beat the Broncos and then lose all their other games. Now, I was being kind of facetious there just mm-hmm. because like, I don't want to see that because that means – it probably means that the young players that they have drafted haven't performed well, right? So I don't necessarily want that. But I have to admit that after that game, I was kind of like, you know what? My my heart was frustrated with that performance. My heart is frustrated with this team. But I want them to lose, man. Yeah. I watched a bit of C.J. Stroud over the weekend. Ohio State, you know, put it to Wisconsin. He looks good, right? I know there are other quarterbacks in this class that people are uh-huh. excited about. Some kid who goes to Kentucky, which I'm like, Kentucky? Levens. Tim, that's former Tim Couch t- country there. Remember yeah. him, Tim Couch? Oh, yeah, that, 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 that worked performed out. well. But, you know, there's there's Bryce Young for for Alabama. Even Wazoo's got a half-decent quarterback. And we so, can always draft Phoenix. Uh, pe- pe- yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, well. My guy, Phoenix. Yeah, but but I, th- I think the point is, is, like, I went through this with the Canucks, too. You know, the years that it was best for the team that they lose for draft picks, I still had trouble cheering against them. When you're actually watching the game, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, I don't want them to lose. Like, I, I want them I want them to win because I'm watching uh-huh. this hockey game. It was only until recent years where I really started to, to cheer for them. I actually – I have to admit, like, there were games I wanted the Canucks to lose because I wanted changes. Mm-hmm. I wanted changes to the team. I wanted changes that eventually came last season. But with the Seahawks, I feel like I haven't got there yet. Like, I'm still watching the game and going like, come on, Hawks, let's go. Yeah. But I wonder if that will turn 
as this season progresses uh, because it's kind of like, yeah, this is hopeless, man. If you can't beat the Falcons at home. Yeah, and, and they had a chance to do it. I'll say this. Um, don't put this on Geno. Don't put this on Geno Smith. He threw two, 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 two touchdowns and 325 yards passing. No, I'm not putting it on Geno I know Smith, but I know, but, but I know big picture, he's not the guy. Well, exactly, right? but that's the situation that they've put themselves in this year. It was we're gonna If you're going to put Geno Smith out there and he's going to throw for under 300 yards and two touchdowns, he's giving you your chance to win. For sure. Theoretically. The defense stinks. The defense stinks. They're awful. And they've been carved up on the ground in two consecutive weeks. So now you're looking at a situation where Geno's probably uh, over-delivering on what you would expect. Well, and they, can't, they can't run the ball either. Well, that's a problem, too. They, this is not a good football team, like yeah. at all. That that Atlanta team that came in was 0-2, desperate for something to go right. And they made Marcus Mariota look like a top 10, top 15 QB in the first half. It was not a good performance. I do want to move on, though to maybe the game of the weekend. There was a lot of really good ones, but I think the one that everyone was looking forward to, including yourself with your savvy gambling advice, was the Bills-Dolphins game. And man, did this give us a lot of talking points coming out of it. So Miami overcame, for the second consecutive week, a lot of adversity. Because remember the previous week against Baltimore, they were down 21 points late and managed to stage that crazy comeback against the Ravens. Yesterday, they overcame... Uh, a, a butt punt. I don't know if you all saw this, but but a butt punt. Right in the butt. Right in the butt. Uh, so they were pinned in their end zone. Uh, I can't remember the exact time of the game. but it was late in the game. There was not a lot of space between the offensive line, obviously, and the punter who didn't mm-hmm. want to step out of the back of the end zone. He wound up and decided to blast a punt right into the posterior of one of his offensive linemen. I just thought of a great poll question. What yes. was the funniest safety of the weekend was it the butt punt safety or was it jimmy g pulling it down orlowski and just like running out of the end zone and acting like he didn't go out of bounds yeah the answer is definitely butt punt oh man i'm going with jimmy g (laughs) i i laughed so hard when that happened because it was it was in the middle of that like disaster of a game because Mm -hmm. you know the broncos fans were all over the russell wilson and the offense and then and then jimmy g drops back and he's running and i'm like and I yell out, like, he just ran out of bounds. Bah, right there, just him. ran right out of bounds. It wasn't like he was tiptoeing the line either. He just, like, dropped back. I'm like, hey, no. see that white part? That's not the field. When you take, it, like, three or four steps out of bounds, <laughs> then it's like, okay, you got to know where you are on the field. So there was that. There was the butt punt in this game. Uh, can you get the Mike McDaniel audio up real quick? Mike McDaniel came under fire after the game. I'm t- I'll do the Miami side of things first. Mike McDaniel came under fire after the game for having Tua Tungavailoa come back into this game. So if you missed it, he left briefly in the second quarter after what appeared to be a fairly significant head injury. He was pushed down on a passing play. His head snapped back and hit the turf. And then when he got up, uh, he had the sort of Bambi legs and he was staggering and he looked as though he was dazed and disoriented and didn't know exactly where he was. Exited the game came back in with what the club called a back injury. Yes, a back injury, and ended up leading the Dolphins to this improbable victory. Mike McDaniel was asked about this in the aftermath. The answer is kind of strange. We'll let you judge for yourselves. Here's Mike McDaniel and the Tua Tungavailoa injury yesterday. Now, Tua, um, he went out with a lower back, um, and that was, you know, I hadn't had that rep with him yet. Um, and, you know, he kind of got bent back uh, pretty significantly 
on a quarterback sneak earlier. And so, um, you know, I was kind of with, with everyone else. Um, when, he, when he hit his head on the ground, I assumed it was a head injury. Um, but uh, his, his legs got wobbly because his lower back was um, completely and, uh, loose. And as he described it, it was like a, um, he, he said his lower back, uh, it was like Gumby or something. That made no sense whatsoever. I will go on to add that not surprisingly, there is an investigation going on. I believe the, the NFLPA has already conducted an investigation into how Tungavailoa and his Gumby back and legs were allowed back in the game. Yeah, it's funny for a back injury, he was sure shaking his head a lot. Yeah, like I, when Mike McDaniel said it sure looked like a head injury, everyone was like, uh-huh, and then he got back in the game. So there was that's the Miami side of things. The Buffalo side of things, there's absolutely no logical reason why they lost this game. They ran, I believe it was 90 plays to Miami's 39. They out, outgained the Dolphins with yardage 497 to 212. They were on the field all game. They just could not get it done, especially late. And that's what led to the Ken Dorsey flip out up in the press box, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Well, yeah, they, they didn't have any timeouts, and they ran a play that, went longer than they thought it was. They thought it would. They kind of had to extend the play, and they extended the play too long mm. because they couldn't clock the ball in time to get a field goal attempt. Uh, that is got to be – that's actually got to be the most frustrating way for your team to lose a game. That's how the you, Cowboys season ended last year in the playoffs. You remember yeah. that play, yeah. I was watching that, and I'm yelling. I'm like, they're not going to get this off. Yeah. There, there's, there's no – and the referee just like walking the ball back. <laughs> yeah, like because well, he's under no hey guys. <laughs> he's under no obligation to hurt. What are you guys doing later today? Because yeah. think about it, he doesn't run to the line of scrimmage in the middle of the game, right? He's got. Well, the they same weren't upper. set anyway. They yeah. weren't set. You you could tell. They well, that's why set. Dorsey was flipping out because yeah. he knew that there was enough time there to get that play done. Mm, but the ex- yeah, maybe. Oh, well, McKenzie didn't need to extend to run. He sh- when he got the ball, it should have been I got to go down. Yeah. and we got to spike this right, right. or we got to do something. Other than trying to extend, mm-hmm. and I know he was trying to get to the sideline. Yeah, but there was there were other options available. It was not a good place. So the Bills now uh, suffer their first loss of the season. Miami moves to three and zero and is now tops in the division. I'm not really sure if this Miami thing will continue. Because to be honest, the last two weeks they probably should have lost those games. When you're down 21 that late, you probably should lose. And when you're outgained that badly, you should probably lose. But lo and behold, they're three and zero now in that division. So we're going to talk to Mike Tannier. Uh, coming up, a little more NFL talk before we dive right back into the Canucks with Chris Faber and Ian McIntyre. Faber at 7.30, Ian McIntyre at 8. So there will be lots of hockey talk. Um, I will ask Mike Tannier mm-hmm. this question, but I ask you first. Who's the most disappointing NFL team this season? I'll give you some options. Okay. You can say Denver. Well, I think uh, I hold, had, on, okay. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had an hold answer on, for it. Fine. I'll listen to your answers. Y- first. You could say Denver. You could say Arizona. You can say the way things have gone with Trey Lance getting hurt for San Francisco. You could say the 49ers. Or you could say the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. who are now 0 3. And the only 0 3 team in the NFL. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a bad start. I mean, they were a playoff team last year. They haven't looked good. Backs are up against the wall this week. You're 0-2, and you're in danger of becoming that only 0-3 team. I have to. It's got to be the Raiders, right? Yeah. I mean, you know who they play next? Chiefs? Broncos. Oh, wow. That'll be great. The, the Bronco, <laughs> honestly, the Broncos schedule, 
the first few weeks of the season has almost been must watch. Like, I'm, granted, they got primetime games out the Waz, right? They, yeah. got, they got a Monday nighter followed by like a Sunday nighter two weeks later. Mm-hmm. But I, it gets more compelling every single week because of the train wreck factor. The Raiders, the Raiders go Denver, and then they play on Monday night in Kansas City against the Chiefs. They could easily be 0-5 heading into their bye week in yeah. week six. And that's and done. And done. <laughs> 0-5 bye week? That's firing time for Josh McDaniels. Okay, we got to go to break. Coming up in the next hour, we got two guests. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, is going to join us to talk all NFL. And Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation is going to join us to talk about, you guessed it, the Vancouver Canucks. Big show ahead. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.